part two of our discussion of the myths that we believe be raised in Mormonism. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Our guest co-host again is Karen Bradshaw as we wrap up our discussion on some of the myths that Mormonism has hatched since their living prophets began to speak. Thanks, Karen, <laughs> again for coming, for sharing your experiences. And, you My know, pleasure. it really helps in our healing, too, and it helps us see things clearly when we talk about them. Oh, yeah. And it's, then compare them with what the Bible says. Yeah, it's transformational. It I, is. It's helped me so much. Absolutely is. Finding these things out and going, that's not right. That's not true. And it's exciting to know the truth, isn't it? Yes, it's really it does exciting. set us free. Mm -hmm. It really it does. absolutely does. And we ended the last time in the middle of the myth of the city of Enoch, which we both learned. And I think the LDS Church mm -hmm. itself teaches the city of Enoch, doesn't it? I'm not sure if it does or not, <laughs> but I know the polygamy groups do. Yeah. And their myth is um, that um, the city of Enoch was a, popula it was a populated city in the ancient days. And it was so righteous that God removed the entire city from the earth but he will return this city sometime in the future, probably during the millennium. Now, we presented the fact that Genesis tells us about two Enoch's. One was the son of Cain, who walked away from God. The other was the father of Methuselah, who walked with God. And the New Testament tells us that he preached God's truth to the people. We have that quote from Jude. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also. These men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So that was righteous Enoch, and he did not build a city. When he was 365 years old, God took him directly to heaven without suffering death. Mormonism calls it being translated. But there's no story, there's no hint, there's no record there, that an entire city was translated from earth to God. The man was taken, but not the city. We quote from Hebrews 11:5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. But because God had taken him, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Okay, so that's the righteous Enoch. And of course, learning biblical truths, as we've talked about, requires that we take all of Scripture, not pull Scripture out of context and then embellish it and make our own story or build our own story around it. A very important detail of the story of Cain his son, Enoch, and the city Cain built takes place after God confronted him about killing his brother Abel. We read from Genesis 4. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod at the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. So note that Cain built the city after he walked away from the Lord. And that's where he lived. Cain built the city, named it after his son, away from the presence of the Lord. The city was obviously industrious, but it wasn't righteous. And besides that, the Bible tells us that there's no one righteous, no, not one. And none of us can be righteous apart from the presence of the Lord. It just can't be. 
And there's no biblical evidence for the Mormon myth of the city of Enoch, and certainly no archaeological evidence. Even secular history supports does not support this Mormon myth. Now, there are three New Testament scripture passages that gives us insight into Cain, which helps us ask the question, was his son Enoch righteous? He's the one who built the city named Enoch. Yeah. Um, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Okay, so Abel was righteous, Cain wasn't. Right. Okay, First John. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. Sorry. That we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Woe to them, for they have gone in a way, the way of Cain. This is the Cain who built the city of Enoch. Yeah, I know. It just blew me away when I found that out. (laughs) A city that Mormons say was way too righteous to remain on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, we were told also that we would be, if we live righteous enough, we would be caught up. Our whole city could be caught up like Like Enoch. Yeah. And so I remember thinking that, well, I was never righteous enough. So, Mm. (laughs) and our city wasn't, but... But yeah, more shame, Mm -hmm. more guilt. More shame, more shame to put up (laughs) over on you. Um, So we have the Enoch, the city of Enoch built by Cain, and the other Enoch uh, did not build a city, and he was righteous and removed from the earth, not experienced death. So it sounds like what what happened is that the Mormon myth was developed by merging these two stories, taking information from one Enoch and inserting it into the experience of the other. And, and we have a quote so. from Wilfred Woodruff's journal. Again, President Young said to Joseph the prophet, told me that the, sorry, let me start again. Again, President Young said, Joseph the prophet told me that the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri. And when Adam was driven out of the Garden of Eden, he went about 40 miles to the place which we named Adam on Diamon, and there built an altar of stone, and offered sacrifice. That altar remains to this day. I saw it as Adam left it, and did many others. And through all the revolutions of the world, that altar has not been disturbed. Joseph also said that when the city of Enoch fled, I was tra- it was translated. Sorry, fled and was translated. It was where the Gulf of Mexico now is. It left that Gulf a body of water. Now, this is interesting. Of course, these are filled with myths. This, this statement I heard is that all the time. filled like, with myths. The Gulf of Mexico is where the city <laughs> and, of and, and none of these myths, Adam, 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 Andai, and Jackson County, and all of this, and the altar, undisturbed altar, and oh, the city yeah. of it, is all myth based on myth. An entire quote contains several myths that are not supported by biblical or any other evidence. And the Gulf of Mexico being where the city of Enoch was, is an outlandish myth. The location makes it totally impossible because it's in, you know, just west or just south of America. But it's strange that they believe that the Gulf of Mexico was created by the removal of the city of Enoch. The Gulf of Mexico is 600,000 miles Square miles. I can't. <laughs> by area. Imagine a city that big. By area. Yeah, well, it's not a city. It's a country. 
Yeah. A city that big. <laughs> the, the largest city in the world today by area is New York City, and it's only 300.46 square miles. The Gulf of Mexico, 600,000 oh, square wow. miles. And they're saying it was a city? It, the, the three or four countries together. I mean, it, the, it's just crazy. not possible a city mm-hmm. in those days to be that big. And since the Bible wow. tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it couldn't have been completely righteous, especially when it was built by Cain, who was of the evil one, which we read just just now in the yeah. New Testament. So it wasn't righteous. God tells us the truth, but men tell us lies. Now, five times in the New Testament, God has warned us not to follow myths or stories that people have made up. But God's warning seems to make no difference to the Mormon culture. Wilfred Rubge's comment we just quoted takes us to the next myth, which is that the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri. And that's another story I heard growing up, you know, and that when the regathering came, we would all go back to Independence, Missouri, because that's where God was going to set up his kingdom when Jesus comes back. And that's where he's coming back to. That's what we were taught. Um, Yeah, we were too. You were taught the same Mm -hmm. thing? We're all going to go back to Jackson County, Missouri, but we couldn't go too early because it was going to be wiped out. Really? Well, there's a lot of Mormons that live there for that very reason. A lot of LDS, big LDS communities there for that very reason. Yes, same, same with the uh, All Red group has some people out there. But mm-hmm. the leaders told them to come back to Zion and not to stay there because it was going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And cleansed before the coming of, of the Savior. Okay. Yeah. Well, just like... More myths. Yeah, more myths. <laughs> more false prophecies. Now, we've talked about this myth in the distant past on on one of our programs, but we'll briefly comment about the geology surrounding the Garden of Eden's location and ask the question, are Mormons prophets guilty of making up stories? I know, it's crazy. (laughs) I found this out. Genesis chapter 2. So, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedelium and the onyx stones are there. The names of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel. It is the one which goes toward the East of Assyria, the fourth river is the Euphrates. Okay, now this describes the Garden of Eden's location, the geographical location. There are no rivers like this in Missouri, <laughs> and, and they couldn't, and that they don't fit the the position or the geological location of of what the the Bible says. Neither is the land or of a Cush or Assyria remotely close to Missouri, like we see described in this book of Genesis. And so it's all just a myth. And you know what? Most of these myths are designed to make Joseph Smith and his religion more important than biblical documentation and events. It makes them more important and what they say than what the Bible says. That's what it does. Now, the next myth is the lost tribes of Israel. Actually, there are no lost tribes of Israel. There are scattered Jewish people from every tribe, but there are no lost tribes. The book of James in the Bible was written by a half-brother of Jesus. 
the first verse tells us he was writing to the 12 tribes who were scattered, not lost, and they were scattered among the other nations. We quote. James 1.1, 1, 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Okay, he's writing to the 12. Why would he write to a lost tribe if they were lost? He's writing to 12 scattered tribes. And yes, that's true. Obviously, there weren't any lost tribes or he wouldn't be written to the 12. And the Apostle Paul also included the 12 tribes. They were not lost, according to Paul. We quote, To this promise are 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. And Acts 2, 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So these Jews in Jerusalem at that time were people from the scattered tribes of Israel had come back and were visiting Jerusalem at that time at that event. If there were 10 lost tribes, James would have known it. You know, uh, uh, scattered doesn't mean lost. <laughs> I always wondered where they were, honestly, because they said they were gone to the north, you know, and I'd ask my husband, where do you think they are? And, yeah. and we have a quote about that, too, <laughs> and, and we'll prove that it, it's also a myth. Um, and they're, they're not hiding away somewhere secret, ready to show themselves at a future date, which is also part of the myth. Um, and we want to quote that from mormonwiki.com um, and it's explaining that myth that Karen just mentioned. It says the tribe of Ephraim uh, <clears throat> dominated the kingdom of Israel just as Judah dominated the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians in 722 BC and many of the tribes living there were decimated. Those who remained alive were carried off by the Assyrians, most assimilated into Assyrian society or dispersed. These people migrated over the ensuing years all over Europe and Asia and to the Americas. A segment of those who were carried away by the Assyrians repented of the sins that brought on the captivity and were led to a place never settled by man, where their whereabouts are still unknown today. Thus, there are two definitions for the ten lost tribes. They are lost because they've been assimilated into many countries and societies and lost because they've been led away as a tight group to a secret place someday to make a miraculous return, which is probably what your husband was telling you this last part. You know, they're a secret place and they'll come back. Now, these are made up stories, absolute myths taken from a nugget of history and then shamefully embellished. I actually also remember them saying that they might have gone with the city of Enoch. They might have been caught up with them. They didn't even have, Israel didn't I, even exist I, at that time. I, I think it's crazy stories. They're just they just, just keep them. you going. Yeah. You know, yeah, they just keep, keep on adding to it, and they don't even consider history or the time frame or anything when they do that. Now, another thing I'd like to mention is if these tribes were secret, and they went away to an unknown place that remains unknown today, how can anyone even know about it if, if it's all secret and unknown? Yeah. We continue with the quote from mormonwiki.com. The final dispensation of time is for gathering Israel. This is both a physical gathering, such as the literal gathering of Jews to the nations of Israel, and a spiritual gathering, such as a conversion of descendants of Jacob to the restored church. Mormons receive patriarchal blessings to reveal unto them their lineage among the tribes of Israel. 
All of the tribes have been represented in the lineage revealed in patriarchal blessings. But most Mormons are descendants from the tribe of Ephraim. And that's what I was taught, too. Mm -hmm. And we already talked about the the Ephraim thing. Uh, So they're still just bringing out lies and myths uh, to deceive the people. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we have a question. How can those in Mormonism have a lineage of the tribe of Ephraim since it would be one of the ten lost tribes hidden away in secret for thousands of years? That's a good point. <laughs> Could yeah. be. How do you think of these things, Doris? <laughs> and this takes us to another myth that Mormonism, which Joseph Smith organized, is the true Israel. Now, we already use several quotes claiming that Joseph Smith and and most of Mormon are from Ephraim. The Mormon religion claims to be true restored Israel and included in that myth is that they are Zion. Okay. Now, here's a quote from the Encyclopedia of Mormonism. The name of Israel, Hebrew for God's rulers or God shines, has two particular distinctive modern applications to Latter-day Saints. First, it refers to the members of the church. Second, it points to the modern descendants of ancient Israel's stock, who, because of God's fidelity to ancient covenants made with their forefathers, are to become recipients of his blessings in the latter days. Now, the name Israel does not mean God rules or God shines. (laughs) What does it mean? The Old Testament (laughs) is where Mormonism gathered information about Israel, and the Old Testament is where the word Israel is defined correctly. But it's a buffet table. They just take and pick and reject the rest. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 25 through 29, the man Jacob is struggling with God, and God gave Jacob a different name, Israel. It is from two different Hebrew words, which together means God's fighter. Because, as the text says, for thou hast fought with God and with men, and has prevailed. It doesn't mean mm. God shines or God rules. It means God's fighter or struggler. You know, that's mm-hmm. what it means. And they lied. And so the Mormon claims of Israel mm. mean God's rules or God. It's debunked. And, and my question is, where do they get the nerve? They certainly don't have the authority to make changes in what God has revealed. They even change the definitions of other languages. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, for the most part, they know that they're safe in their deceptions because they know their members will believe whatever they say and that very few of them will ever check it out. Yeah, they even tell them not to, not to go look. Don't, you know, that's pornography. Yeah, just just read authorized material. And then we'll tell you what that authorized material is. Yeah. Yeah. So what about Zion? Does Zion have a commercial bank? Uh, Does Zion (laughs) reside in Missouri or Salt Lake City or Nauvoo or somewhere else? You know, the myth that they believe and taught from its very beginning is that Zion is Mormon headquarters. Polygamists, however, believe that they are true Zion. So each each faction has their own. That was so preached in our church, Zion, you know, this is Zion. And I remember as a little girl going up to Pinesdale, moving up there when I was eight and my mom said, we're going to live in Zion. And then when I went to school, everyone was, I really got picked on. And I thought, I don't like Zion. (laughs) People aren't nice here. I thought this was supposed to be God's city. And 
I just felt so bad because I was very disappointed in Zion. <laughs> and the Mormons have moved Zion from this place and other places. And Warren Jeff Zion was down there in Colorado City and Hilldale, you know. So who, who do you believe? They can't all Zion's be Zion's right. everywhere, they right? Can't all be wrong, yeah, you know? it's just like. Yeah. So we have another quote from the Encyclopedia of Mormonism that quotes their claims about Zion. Latter-day Saints use the name Zion to signify a group of God's followers or a place where such a group lives. Latter-day Scriptures define Zion as a pure in heart. Others use of others other use of the name is in Scripture reflects this one. For example, Zion refers to the place or land appointed by God for the gathering of those who accept His gospel. The purpose of this gathering is to raise up a committee society, a committed society of pure people, who will serve God in righteousness. Hence, the land of Zion are places where the pure in heart live together in righteousness. Geographically, church units are called stakes, stakes of Zion. The church and its stakes are called Zion because they are for gathering and purifying of people of God. A, scriptures also refer to Zion as a city of holiness because the sanctified or pure live there and a city of refuge where the Lord protects them for, from the perils of the world. So... This is from the Encyclopedia of Mormon is explaining their Zion, and not one word of this description is biblically correct. Not one. Their <laughs> references are from their own Mormon scriptures. They use words from the Bible, but, but they've applied different, even contradictory definitions to them. The God of Mormonism seems to be unsure of himself. He's unable to sustain his own word, and he gets it wrong and frequently changes his mind. That's mm -hmm. not the God of the Bible. <laughs> and this is what he said about Zion. Psalm 51. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Now there, Zion and Jerusalem are synonymous. Okay, the next one. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And that's synonymous, Mount Zion, with Judah. Okay, who, by the way, lived in Jerusalem. Isaiah 52. Uh, awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Okay, so Zion is Jerusalem, also known as Judah in the Bible. Okay, now there are literally dozens mm -hmm. of statements in the Bible telling us that Zion is synonymous with Jerusalem and Judah. It was difficult not to quote more of them because there's so many and there's so many good ones. But notice Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, Zion, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Notice that Zion is Jerusalem. It says so. Right there. Wow. And it cannot be moved. Now, I think this is interesting because it doesn't say it will not be moved. It says it cannot be moved. So Mormonism wow. cannot move Zion from where God put it. <laughs> that is just so amazing. Mormonism has redefined Zion to fit their own deceptions. But God's very clear in telling us where Zion is and where Zion is not. <laughs> the Apostle Paul warned us of these deceptions. 2 Timothy 3. So, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yeah, cool. 
Anyway. That's well said. And then finally, <laughs> finally, we thought we needed to finish with what the LDS folks think of polygamy. And at the link on the screen, we came across an article entitled, Mormons Hate Polygamy This Much. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> now, you can go to that link and read the entire article. But we want to quote a couple of interesting points from that article. When asked um, whether they felt an issue, particular issue, was immoral or morally acceptable or not a moral issue, here is a breakdown of how many Mormons declared that certain activities were morally wrong. Now, this was Mormons, the LDS probably. I doubt if very many polygamists were involved in these questions. But 54% said it was morally wrong to drink alcohol. 74% said it was morally wrong to drink to have an abortion. Sex between unmarried adults, 79% said it was wrong. Practicing polygamy, 86% said they thought it was morally what? wrong. That's crazy. 86% oh said polygamy goodness. is morally wrong. <laughs> now, it seems that Mormons hate polygamy even more than abortion. Now, remember that abortion is discussed oh in the church handbook as a sin that requires serious repentance and sometimes disciplinary action on the part of the church. Abortion is permissible only in rare circumstances. Of the remaining per people surveyed, 11% said people said polygamy was not a moral issue, and only 2% said it was morally acceptable. Okay? Now, this, wow. this was dated 2014. It'd be interesting to get an updated version of it. But later on in her article, she asks a question that we also ask. So how many Mormons confess to hating polygamy, yet imagine themselves practicing it for all eternity? Now, we know how polygamists would answer that question. Most of them dislike polygamy. Even though they may not admit it, they all believe they will live it in eternity. So when you were a polygamist and you were a third wife yeah. to a man with five wives. I remember. Did you hate polygamy? Oh, yeah. And I remember asking my husband, like, are we going to be living this for eternity and how can we be together for eternity um, as husband and wife when you have all those other women and because you'd never see each other already and yeah. he said I don't know he was just so baffled he's like I don't know but when we get there it'll all work itself it'll out. Work out that's what that's the answer <laughs> is for everything okay mm -hmm. and that's sad but but the LDS people feel the same way they hate it just as much as well probably not as much as polygamous wives hate it and polygamous men don't have an easy time of it either, some of them. Oh, they don't. So that's all the myths that we have for this time. <laughs> and there's more, and we'll probably uh, go to it a little bit later, maybe. They believe a lot of myths that are not supported and most of the time contradicted by the Bible. And we all need to know, we all need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And follow God's command to test everything and hold on only to the truth. So what does the word everything mean? Everything. Test everything <laughs> that you're taught. Okay. Thanks, Karen. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And it's nice to have you here and to um, tell us your side of things from the AUB Polygamy Group. You know, if the LDS and the Mormon fundamentalists would just read and believe the Bible, the God of the Bible, they would relieve themselves of a lot of stress and worry and pain because God said, and Jesus affirmed it, there are no marriages after this life. 
A loving God would never reveal contradictory ideas or leave us without the resources from which we can determine truth from error. Satan hates the Bible because it reveals a loving God. It's the only measuring device for truth that God has given us. Men who claim to be prophets but teach false information can be tested, and testing them is being obedient to God. Jesus commands, commends those who test people's claims. In Revelation 2, he said, And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. How much error would be revealed in this Mormon culture if only their members would also test for truth? Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.